Come on. David Friedman is the CEO of High Performing Culture. He's a speaker and author. He's recently published the second edition of his book, Culture by Design, the definitive how-to manual for building high-performance cultures. And now, finally, guest on Lifeblood Maximize. Welcome, David. Well, thanks, George. Great to be with you. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. You bet there, George. So, I, you know, I spent 27 years as the CEO of, of all things, an employee benefits consulting company in the Philadelphia region. And it was a very, very successful company. But I would tell you and your listeners that virtually all of the success that we had in that company, right over 100 people, all of our success was based on the culture that we had built in that company. And as the CEO of the company, I did a lot of things in a very intentional way to make that culture happen. I eventually sold the company and I retired from that industry and I ended up writing my first of several books about the things we had done that made that company so successful. And, and it was particularly around something that I'll explain more later that we call our fundamentals. And it was a, a methodology that I had created to create this great culture. And so I wrote a book about that. And honestly, I always tell people I wrote that book, George, mostly as a closure step as a way of wrapping up that old career, putting it behind me so I could move on and do something totally and completely different. And little did I know it wasn't gonna quite work out that way and people started reading the book and they got a lot of value from it. And it ended up having people who read it asked me if I would speak to their organizations. And as people heard me speak, people started saying, hey, that's pretty interesting. Can I hire you to help me do that in my company? And lo and behold, next thing I knew, I was in my second career and so, it was somewhat by accident, but I suppose someone could look back and say, well, it looks a little more planned than that. So in the last oh, seven or eight years, I've given more than 500 workshops on this material. I have uh, worked with more than 400 different organizations helping them implement what I teach and uh, built another company. The stuff that we do, is, as you'll hear about, is ridiculously simple, I always tell people, and yet most of our clients say, that what we've taught them is the single most impactful thing they've done in the history of their company. So it's literally game-changing and a pleasure and a privilege to be able to bring it to people, and yet it's so simple. It's been fascinating. I love it. Well, um, there's a lot of really great stuff there, um, but want to hear a little bit about your personal life first, David. Sure. So uh, I'm married. I have two children. Uh, a son who is in the Boston area uh, is 31 years old and has three little ones. Uh, and I have a daughter who is in Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, and she's a second grade teacher. And she is, I'm going to say, getting remarried next weekend. And I say remarried because she got married during the pandemic. Mm. Um, and so we just did this little intimate, personal, uh, immediate family wedding. And we're doing the real wedding uh, next weekend. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And what a cool, uh, lot, lot of good stuff. Grandkids, I hear, are very good. So They are. <laughs> All right. So, so you, you, you built this really successful, large employee benefit consulting company, and, and you talked about how the success of it was due to the culture that you had. Did that yes. happen on its own, or did you set out with that company when you started it to have a great culture? 
You know, it's an interesting question, George, and it's a little of both. And what I mean by that is that I always had a, and continue to have, a very high standard for how I want things done in my company. And I realized early on in that first company that I couldn't just assume that somehow everybody would figure out what I wanted. I figured if I want to have high standards, I better teach people the way that I want things done. And so it started out, was, I wasn't thinking of that as culture. I later kind of saw that as culture. I was just thinking of it, I want things done in a certain way and so I better teach people. And later again, I realized, so I was very intentional about that. Later I realized, oh, I guess that's kind of what culture is. And over time I began to put in a lot more structure and process around culture so that for sure what we created was very intentional. And, and in fact, you know, to just expand upon that for a moment, I would tell you that that's the single most important thing that I teach leaders is that if you understand how much impact your culture has over how everything happens in your organization, that's not something you want to leave to chance. That's something you need to be structured and systematic about. And yet what's so fascinating is most leaders aren't. They just sort of assume it's going to magically work out on its own. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> well, and, and what's interesting is that, you know, I always tell people that every every organization, every group of human beings that comes together has a culture. I mean, you think about a group of friends of yours. Mm -hmm. There's a culture in your group of friends. There's a culture in a sports team. There's a culture in a church group. There's a culture in a business. You put humans together and a culture forms, whether it's what you want it to be or not, it's a different question, but there's going to be a culture and, and it's going to influence people. And what I have noticed over time is that if you, if you don't, as a leader, purposely create your culture, it's going to get created anyway. And more importantly to understand is it's going to get created mostly influenced by those people who just happen to have the strongest personalities. So think about a group of friends of yours. There are some people in your group of friends who are, <clears throat> who are more influential than others. It's just the nature of their personality. They're the ones who you guys are trying to decide what time to meet to play golf. And somebody says, you guys want to meet at eight? Does that work? Like who said eight? Somebody stepped up and said, how about we do this? And these leaders of the group influence the culture in a, I would say, disproportionate kind of way. And the same thing happens in companies that if a leader isn't intentional and systematic about creating the culture, it's getting created, mostly influenced by those people who just happen to have the strongest personalities. And some of those people might be wonderful people, and some might be cynical jerks with lousy attitudes. And we've all seen jerks in companies. And those jerks will influence the people to, around them to be more like them. And the reason I always point this out is, okay, if we go back to my basic premise, that the culture in any group of people has an enormous influence over how those people perform, why would you leave that to the whims of the strongest personalities? Instead, you got to be intentional about it. Yeah, well, I certainly was thinking about examples just throughout different uh, stages of my life professionally and then with friends groups, and I, I, I agree 100%. In, in, in today's world, is it more dynamic than it's ever been for an organization to be juggling the desires, the concerns, outside influences, Oh, to a degree it is, George. But, you know, I think, 
I think the same basic um, dynamics have been going on for literally thousands of years. Yes, no question. There are, you know, we are influenced by all the things we see on social media and here everywhere. And, and, and so information is spread much more rapidly than it ever used to be. But humans are still humans. And when humans come together, they do certain things about the way they relate to each other. And many of those things that it takes for groups of humans to come together and perform in extraordinary ways have been known for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. It's not that different. I mean, there are certain behaviors that you do these and you're going to be better. I'll give you a simple example. Um, one of the behaviors that I teach in my company and, and pretty much all of our clients, just one of many, I call it honor commitments. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Well, regardless of social media or anything else, for thousands of years, we've known that when people come together, if I can rely upon what you said you were going to do and you can rely upon what I said I'm going to do, we're going to work a lot better together. Or I'll give you another example. There's a behavior I teach in my company and most of our clients. I call it get clear on expectations. If you and I are on a different page about what I thought we were going to do in this podcast, then it was different from what you thought we were going to do. We're likely to have a misunderstanding. If we're both on the same page and we have the same expectations, we're going to work better together. Well, that's been known for a few thousand years. There's nothing new or different about this. So I think sometimes we overplay, in my view, oh, the world is so different. No, actually, a lot of it's the same as it's always been. Mm -hmm. Humans are humans, and they communicate in very similar kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's I think that that's good to hear. Certainly, I personally think that that's 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 really good to hear. That the framework that has helped your company to be successful, that's helped five hundred groups and four hundred organizations to be successful, is durable and 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 true and applicable for probably, back to your point, for really any group. Well, if you, if you go back to, think about, you know, you've got a big bookshelf behind you of lots and lots of books, and you told me you've read a few of them. <laughs> and if you look at some of the classic books that have been written about success over the years, they're, they're, they're still true. Yes, the language might be stilted if you read a book that was written in the 1920s or you read Dale Carnegie or you read, you know, so many people. The language that they use might be not the language we use, but the principles have been known forever. I mean, the Greek and Roman philosophers wrote things about what it takes to have a successful life that are just as true today as they were several thousand years ago. You know, life is the, the principles that lead to success are enduring and don't really change. So you talked about sort of the danger of of not being mindful, of not being intentional about this, that the people with the strongest personalities, sometimes they're cynical jerks and that can lead your company down, down the wrong path. So why don't people, why aren't people more intentional? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the primary reason is most people have never thought about it that way. They think about culture as this kind of touchy-feely, soft, squishy thing, almost like, um, you know, let's just sprinkle pixie dust on our people and we'll have a great culture. Or sometimes they think of culture as, you know, we have pizza every Friday and people can bring their dog to work. 
And that's not culture. You know, culture is about <laughs> the behaviors that people do in the organization. And I think that most leaders, it just hasn't occurred to them that you could or should be systematic. It's not that they've made a, a decision not to me, not to be. It just hasn't occurred to them. There's a thing that I do in some of my workshops, and I think it's kind of telling to your question. And I'll have a group of CEOs together, and I'll ask them, all right, on a one to five scale, in terms of its impact on the bottom line, how would you rate culture? With one being, it's not that big a deal. Five is, it's a significant impact on the bottom line. When I go around the room and I ask people to rate it, almost all the CEOs will give it a five. Uh, some will give it a four, some will give it a seven on a five to scale, one to five scale. But they get this has a, a, a significant impact on the bottom line. And then I ask them, all right, so let me ask you guys this. How many of you have some kind of a written documented strategic plan for this year's goals and priorities initiative? What do you need to accomplish as a company this year? And most of them do. And I'll ask them, how many of you have some kind of a, a sales plan that documents this year's targets, quotas, goals? How are you gonna hit your sales number? And most do that. And I'll say, if you, obviously you have a financial plan. You're not running your company with no financial plan. And they of course have that. And I said, so how many of you have a written documented culture plan? And almost nobody. Hmm. And I said, well, let me see if I get this straight. You just told me this was a five in terms of the impact on the bottom line. We're not talking about fluff, we're talking about bottom line impact, and almost none of you have any kind of a plan for it. That would be like running our company with no financial plan. And if we didn't have a financial plan, that doesn't mean that we wouldn't, oh, try to bring in as much revenue as we could, or it doesn't mean we wouldn't be, you know, trying to manage our expenses intelligently, but our chances of hitting our numbers would be a heck of a lot less if we had no plan. Well, the same is true of our culture. If we have no plan for it, no process for it, no structure for it, and we're just hoping it's gonna work out, what are the chances we're gonna have the culture that we want? And when I explain that, it's like everybody says, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I just never thought about it like that. So I think the answer to your question, the, the short answer to your question is, why don't people have it? I never thought about it that way before. Mm -hmm. They just see culture as a squishy, fluffy thing instead of seeing it as a hardcore business process. Got it. Well, that certainly makes sense. Is this is this once once the light bulb turns on, they say I do need to include this <clears throat> and start treating it as I view it, which is extremely important. Is this extremely cumbersome to put something into place? Well, that's the beautiful thing, George. It's so once you understand how to do it, it's ridiculously easy to do. And, and it's really what, what has led to the success that I've had, that the method that I teach is so logical and so simple and so practical and relatively easy to do that when people learn it, they say, oh my God, that's the first time somebody's ever made culture so simple before. I always thought it was so complicated. So it doesn't have to be difficult. I think that that's probably music to a lot of people's ears, right? It should be. It should be. <laughs> so, so what is what if, if if you could say here's the starting point yeah i'll say the starting point is to, to 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 pick up a copy of culture by design what is the next step yeah so in culture by design i, I do describe the whole process but to give your listeners the very short version and to really simplify the whole idea there are i, I in the book i describe an eight-step framework that outlines the steps you need to take. But let's just make this really simple and let's just briefly talk about two steps. 
the first two steps because you do these two, you're gonna be 90% of the way down the road to success. So the first step is how we go about defining with real clarity exactly what we want the culture to be. Because if we haven't defined it clearly enough, obviously we're not gonna be able to build it. And when we do that, I depart from most of the world in that I make a really important language distinction between what I call values and what I call behaviors. So most of your listeners have probably at some point created a set of core values. And values sound great, they look great on the website and on the walls, but they tend to be so abstract that they mean too many different things to different people and they're very difficult to operationalize. Behaviors are actions, things that I can see people do. I mentioned before a couple of them, honor commitments is something you do, practice blameless problem solving, get clear on expectations, these are actions. So a value is an abstract idea, behavior is an action. So the first step is to define the culture you want by reference to the behaviors that you say, if we could get our people doing these things, we're gonna be that much more successful. And I give those behaviors a name, it's just my nomenclature, I call them fundamentals. So first thing we gotta do is create the set of behaviors or fundamentals. The second step is really simple, but it's game changing, and I call it creating rituals. So a ritual is some routine, some behavior that you do over and over and over again until it becomes second nature. You go to a ball game, we do the national anthem. You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth. They're just routines. The reason that rituals are so critical to success is that most people stink at sticking with things. We try all kinds of great ideas, roll out initiatives, and they don't last. When something becomes a ritual, it's not hard to do, it's just what we do. So the way we use this simple, simple idea is we take these fundamentals, these behaviors I was just describing, we roll it out into the company in really interactive ways, and then we begin to focus on one of these fundamentals, as I call them, each week through a series of rituals. So let me give you a simple example. In my company and, and pretty much all of our clients, every time we have a meeting in our company this week of any type, Zoom, in-person, any kind of meeting this week, the first agenda item of every single meeting is the fundamental of the week. And we spend the first three to four minutes talking about it. What does it mean? How do we practice it? What can we do better about it? So my fundamental this week in my own company is called share information. It's about learning to think about who else needs to know this that I just found out and how do we make sure people know it? So every meeting in my company this week will begin with a few minute discussion about sharing information. How could we do it better? Why don't we sometimes do it? What tools do we have to make it better, et cetera? Next week, every single meeting will start with next week's fundamental and the week after that, the following one and so on. And we keep cycling through them over and over and over again until they eventually become internalized. So the simple idea is, if we can define in really clear terms the behaviors that drive success in your company, and then we can create this structured, systematic way to teach those behaviors over and over and over and over and over and over again, guess what? Sooner or later, those behaviors are gonna become internalized by our people. That's pretty simple. And all I've done is build the whole mechanism for how to do that. I love that it. Simple. I love it. Well, David, you've already given us a lot, but the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, the difference-making tip, I'm gonna go back to what I was just describing, and that is the power of what I call rituals. 
that you think about people and how many of us have started diet and exercise programs or other things that we're going to do, whether in our personal lives or in our businesses, and we, we really mean to do it. We're really determined. And then six weeks later, we're not doing it anymore because it all fell by the wayside and became the flavor of the month or just something that faded. When something becomes a ritual, or I use that word almost interchangeably with the word habit. There are a couple of big bestsellers out there, The Power of Habit. There's another book, Atomic Habits. It's the exact same concept. The key to making things last is to build it into your routines. When it becomes part of your routine, and again, we could use the word routine, ritual, habit, whatever word you wanna use, once it becomes part of your routine, it no longer requires a discipline or motivation to do. It's just second nature, it's just what we do. So if, if we want to make anything last, again, whether we're talking about our culture or we're talking about a personal habit, anything you wanna make last, the only way it's gonna last is when it becomes part of the routine. And that's the key to being successful. Well, I think that, that is great stuff. That definitely it's come on. Come on. David, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you, engage with you? Where can they get a copy of Culture by Design, the definitive how-to manual for building high-performance cultures? Sure, George. So my website is CultureWise, the word culture and W-I-S-E, CultureWise.com. So if you check out CultureWise.com, you'll see lots of great videos there, simple explanations of all the things that I talk about. Uh, all of my books, fundamentally different, Culture by Design, both editions, are on Amazon. Um, so if you just look up Culture by Design, you'll see both first and second editions there. Um, and they're in all forms. They're in hardcover, softcover, ebook and also audiobook if your listeners if they're listening to podcasts they probably enjoy listening to books and so if you can go to audible and you can see both fundamentally different and culture by design there uh and you can download the books and i am the narrator of those books as well awesome well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to culturewise.com. Check out all the great resources, watch some of the videos, pick up copies of David's books in David's books in whatever form you enjoy consuming books. Thanks again, David. My pleasure, George. Great to be with you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. <laughs>